says to me, Counselor, mighty God is he, saving me, keeping me from all sin and shame. Wonderful is my Redeemer, praise his name. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Wonderful Jesus, you are so amazing, so awesome, so great, so worthy to be praised. Praise the name of the Lord. Amen. Welcome again. If you could, just for a moment, even if you're home, stand, if you don't mind, if you can, to look at Acts chapter 15. We welcome everybody that is here in the sanctuary, and of course, uh, we are doing our best to keep our social distancing and all of that. Uh, and thank you for those of you that are home, that you are watching, you are part of this. Uh, I looked at my phone. I started a watch party, and by the way, if you haven't done that, uh, if you know how to do that on Facebook Live, start a watch party. I looked at mine, and I, I had 40, over 40 families uh, watching my watch party. So if you times that, times everybody else's watch party, plus the, uh, the stream that we're doing uh, ourselves through our Facebook page, uh, it is awesome. We are reaching hundreds and hundreds of people. Uh, when we look at the numbers, Usually a couple of days later, uh, we've had as many as 800 people we have reached on a Wednesday night, uh, many more on Sunday mornings. And so uh, thank God for social uh, media, for this platform that we could do this. Uh, uh, there's a lot of problems with social media, but th this one's working. We're grateful for it, uh, that this message is not only reaching uh, those from our church, but also all across the world. We've had people all through the United States and in other countries watching our live stream. That is awesome. Amen? Let's clap our hands to the Lord and thank him for that. Praise God. Acts chapter 15, welcome again. We're glad you're with us. And uh, again, if you can, if you know how to, start a watch party. Uh, it, it's kind of like throwing a rock into the water. It throws these ripples out that keep reaching more and more people. So Acts 15, starting at verse 35. And uh, welcome one more time. Paul says here, uh, Paul also and Bar or the scripture says, Paul also and Barnabas continued in Antioch, teaching and preaching the word of the Lord with many others also. And some days after Paul said unto Barnabas, let us go again and visit our brethren in every city where we preached the word of the Lord and see how they do. And Barnabas determined to take with him or with them, John, whose surname is Mark. But Paul thought not good to take him with them, who departed from them from Pamphylia, and went not with them to the work. And the contention was so sharp between them that they departed asunder, one from the other. And so Barnabas took Mark and sailed to Cyprus. And Paul chose Silas and departed, being recommended by the brethren unto the grace of God. From this part of Scripture, I am going to be preaching this morning uh, a title. The title of my message will be Mark's Crisis of Faith. Mark's Crisis of Faith. Lord Jesus, touch us today. Uh, we are here in this sanctuary, and there's people that are in their homes, there are people in different states and even different countries that are hearing this message. Lord, I know that you gave this to me, and I'm asking that you would touch the hearts of everyone that hears it, 
There's people here and people that are listening online that need this message for this hour, for this moment. I'm asking that you would touch each and every one of us in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. And Brother Sam, if you don't mind giving me a little more monitor, please. Uh, Now, let me talk a little bit about Mark, and then I'm going to begin to get into uh, the message a little bit further. But Mark is considered the evangelist. And uh, there's some detail that we do know about him that I'm going to get into in just a moment. Uh, but, and of course, he is the writer of one of the Gospels, the Gospel of Mark. The Scripture tells us that there was a disagreement that arose between Paul and Barnabas. And uh, relating, and it, the, the disagreement was relating specifically to the young man and this young man by the name of Mark. Evidently, sometime before, Mark had accompanied Paul on a missionary journey to Pamphylia. And there he deserted deserted them. Uh, The word that refers to that desertion that Mark did means he abandoned them or he stood aloof, aloof, or there was desertion. There was a defection in a sort of idea uh, or that he abandoned them. So, so. Paul, I mean, so Mark abandoned them. Mark uh, was a teenager. Again, I'm giving you a little history, but Mark was a teenager during the ministry of Jesus, and he followed the Lord. Uh, Mark became a companion of Peter and Paul. The early church, the Bible tells us, or we know this, that, that uh, the, the early church had prayer meetings in Mark's mother's house. I'm, I'm, I'm relating a few things to you that will help you to understand where I'm coming from. We do know that he was the writer of the gospel of Mark. But tradition also links his parents' house with the upper room where Jesus ate his last supper with the disciples. Some other traditions suggest that when Judas left the Last Supper and he returned to arrest Jesus later on in the garden, Mark had slipped out of the house and ran to warn Jesus when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane. Now, we don't have that in Scripture, but tradition says that. Suffice it to say, Mark had a rich heritage of involvement and proximity not only to Jesus but also to the church and to living for God. Undoubtedly, Mark saw miraculous things. When Peter escaped from prison by God's deliverance, he went to the house of Mark's parents where the prayer meeting was, where they were praying for his release. So I guess in some ways, Mark's upbringing, his experiences, could be compared to or being related to growing up in church and being constantly around miraculous things. Is everybody still with me so far? With that in mind, I build this message, a sermon, on the idea that somewhere along the line, Mark failed. He stepped out of his relationship or away from his relationship with God. 
he had been on missionary journeys with Paul and Barnabas. And either he was discouraged or he was hurt somehow or he fell into sin. We really don't know what his crisis of faith was. But we know that somewhere along the line, he walked away from the Lord. He walked away from the ministry. He walked away from having that close, intimate relationship with God. But what we do and what we know about him, I'm sorry, what we know about him is that he deserted the other disciples and he went home. Later, when Paul and Barnabas would go on another longer journey, and Paul and Barnabas, the Bible says, disagreed so sharply about this young man by the name of Mark that Paul went his way and Barnabas went his way also. I read it again in Acts chapter 15, 37. And it says, And Barnabas determined to take with them John, whose surname was Mark. But Paul thought not good to take him with them who departed from them from Pamphylia and went not, with, went not with them to the work. And the contention was so sharp between them that they departed asunder one from the other. And so Barnabas took Mark and sailed unto Cyprus. And Paul chose Silas and departed, being recommended by the brethren unto the grace of God. The, the, the dissension between these two elders in the work of God, between uh, Barnabas and between Paul, was so the contention was so strong that it even divided their relationship for a time being. It divided their friendship possibly as well. But we see in the Scripture where Barnabas had confidence in Mark and Paul did not. I also read to you another portion of Scripture talking about the prodigal son. In Luke chapter 15, starting in verse 11, it says, And he said, A certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divided unto them his living. Not many days after the younger son gathered all together, and took his journey unto a far country, and there wasted his substance with riotous living. And when he had spent all, he arose, and a mighty famine came to the land, and he began to be in want. And he went and journeyed himself into, uh, joined himself, I'm sorry, unto a citizen of the country, and he sent him into his fields to feed the swine. And he would fain have filled his belly with the husks, that the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. And when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my fathers have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger. We, I read this story to you because I have been kind of bothered for a little while with this thought. Why would someone, and hear me, I hope you're still listening this morning, why would somebody who grew up in and around the things of God? Why would somebody that grew up feeling the presence of God, being filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost, being baptized in Jesus' name, have a relationship with God, 
Why would somebody go on to leave the presence of God and the mercy and the grace and the power of God where they would go on to a place of walking away from their relationship? Was the failure with his parents? Or was the failure with Mark himself? Or was it the allure of the world? We really don't know. But the scripture shows us many examples about personal failure and people who have walked away from the Lord. People who knew and know God, somehow they would slip out the back door of the church. Sometime they would find themselves further away from God than they wanted to be. When the, when the man that we're talking about, the prodigal son, came back, we know how he was embraced by his father. But when we go back to the word of the Lord for a moment, the word, when Mark, in fact, I was thinking about this, and, and the Lord is talking to me as I'm preaching this morning. I'm wondering how Mark's parents felt when they got the news that their son had abandoned Paul and Silas. I wonder what they were thinking. Were they disappointed? Were they taking it upon themselves and saying, if we had taught him better or if we had done more, maybe he would not have walked away from the Lord. But more importantly, what was Mark thinking? What was he feeling? Why did he decided, decide to leave? I really don't know, and the Bible doesn't tell us. But maybe somewhere along that missionary journey, he got disappointed with something he saw. And it affected his walk with God to the point uh, where he left the missions field uh, and went back home. Uh, I'm preaching to somebody this morning that at one point of, uh, of your life, or maybe even now, uh, you are walking through a crisis of your faith. Uh, you don't know whether you should believe God or not. Uh, you don't know whether you should follow God or not. Uh, you don't know whether you should live for God or not. Uh, just like this young man by the name of Mark uh, he ended up turning his life around. I'm going to talk to you about that in a minute. But I believe that even when all of us, in fact, most of us at one point or another, will go through a time where we are having a crisis of faith, where we're questioning what's going on. There's people here and there's people in this audience today that are listening online that maybe right now you're going through your personal crisis of faith. You're wondering why you have to shelter in place. You're wondering why you've lost your job for the time being. You wonder why your income is taking a huge hit and why things are happening in your life. Can I encourage somebody this morning, continue walking with God. And if you're not walking with God today, turn your life around and give your life back to him. You will find that it is worth it. Amen. Could somebody clap your hands and worship the Lord for just a moment? One of the questions I want to ask you this morning is this. Which way are you leaning? Which way are you leaning? Look with me at Proverbs chapter 3. Starting at verse 5, it says, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. And then in 1 Kings chapter 8, verse 58, 
that he may incline, or we may incline, he says he here, but I want to personalize it. We may incline our, our hearts unto him to walk in all his ways and keep his commandments and his statutes and his judgments which he commanded our fathers. Those two words that are used there in Proverbs, the word that is used there where it says, uh, lean not unto thine own understanding. And in 1 Kings it says, incline thy hearts unto him. Those are two very interesting words. And if I could somehow, maybe some way explain it like this. If you were to put a plant in a window, those of you that are good and got a green thumb and you have plants in your home, if you put a plant by a window or near a window, what is going to happen to that plant? It's going to grow towards the light. Are you with me today? It is going to lean towards or incline towards or it is going to reach for the light. It is reaching for its life source. I want to ask you this morning, which way are you leaning? Are you leaning towards God? Are you inclining towards God? Or are you in a dark place where you can't even see the light? I'd like to give you a, an illustration, if I can, for a few moments. And we can't do it here today because of our circumstances and because of this video. But if I was able to put three chairs out front here, I'd like to talk about those three chairs for a moment. The first chair represents commitment. It represents sacrifice. It represents a spiritual relationship, a close friendship and relationship with God. It is a God-first place that we could be. That is the first chair. Uh, there are a couple of, a few uh, Bible characters I could refer to. Joshua would have been a first chair person. Abraham and also David, even though he failed the Lord, he was highly committed to the Lord most of his life. And then if I were to have a second chair, so the first chair represents commitment. The second chair represents compromise. It could be somebody who is saved but yet still carnal. It is somebody who is an acquaintance with God but has a self-first personality or self-first walk with God. They're a person who typically believes but yet they are not fully committed to God. We see references in the Word of God. Isaac would be one of those second chair people, or even uh, David's son Solomon. And then there would be a third chair. So again, the first chair is commitment. The second chair is compromise. And the third chair is conflict. Conflict, that third chair, is that unsaved person. It is the worldly person. They are aware of religion and aware of God. They might even own a Bible, but they have no walk with the Lord. They are full of their own or themselves. It is a self-only relationship with God, if, if you could even call it that. And they are very personally opinionated. The children of the elders, we can see there's uh, uh, some I could name them, Jacob, uh, the grandson of Jacob, and the uh, grandson Rehoboam, and others that I could name there. But I want to focus for a moment, and please stick with me 
you need to follow this, uh, this uh, way of thought because I believe God will talk to us. So the first chair person is a person that knows God. They have firsthand faith. They live for the Lord, and they submit to the Word of God. That second chair person knows God, but yet they have a secondhand relationship or an inferior relationship with the Lord, and they respect the Bible. The third chair person really doesn't know God. They really don't have faith in God, and they might even own a Bible. The Scripture tells us that David, a man after God's own heart, raised a son who was a compromiser. His son's name was Solomon. Jacob, the grandson of the Old Testament, one of the greatest heroes of faith, spent most of his life fighting against God. Then let's go back for a moment to David's son Solomon. He, he put his priority on his possessions, his power, and his prestige, and also pleasure. Solomon, if we were to compare that day to this day, he had a personal, personal yearly income of about $4 billion. I wish I would have had some of that. But he had a personal income of about $4 billion a year. But the problem is he had a 1,000 wives. You need about $4 billion to support a 1,000 wives. But that's just a little side note. I don't think I actually said that. I'm not sure if it's going to be on the video or not, but I, anyhow. Now I want you to think about something Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. He says, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Uh, Brother Sam, if we can leave that scripture up there for just a while, I want to somehow expound on this. There's several words that I want to look at, and the first word is seek. When we define the word seek, it means uh, it is a starting place. It is defined as a starting point. The next word we want to look at is the word first. It says, seek ye first. The word first means, uh, or it defines our priority. It is the first priority, or it has supreme position in our life. The next words I want to look at, uh, or the third point I want to check out here, is his kingdom. The scripture says, seek ye first his kingdom. His kingdom is defined as uh, seeking or trying to achieve his will or working for the betterment of the kingdom of God and not my own. Uh, then the next phrase, his righteousness. Uh, his righteousness is defined uh, as the kind of person who wants to be, who, the, who we want to become. It defines our lifestyle. It defines character. It defines holiness. That defines a close relationship with God. With that in mind, let me read it again. In Matthew 6, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. If you seek those things, you will have a hard time getting a relationship with God, but if you seek him first, then he will add all other things unto you. 
So can I talk to you this morning for a few moments of how to get or how to be that first chair person, that person that has a close relationship with the Lord. Uh, the scripture says in Acts chapter 2, verse 38, uh, it says, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ uh, for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Uh, that is the first part that will get you into the kingdom of God. But what you do after that is totally up to you. You can still decide to be that third chair person or even that second chair person that is not fully committed to God or you can choose to be that first chair person that is wholly committed to the things of God. I wonder where you're at today. I'm asking you and I'm trying to somehow probe into your mind and your heart and ask you to think, is Jesus your priority or is he just a convenience? I want to ask you this morning, are you inclining your heart toward him? Are you reaching toward him? Are you putting away sin? Are you putting away false worship? Are you redirecting all of your heart's longings towards the things of God? Are you getting rid of everything that competes with or substitutes God? That is something that we need, you know, when we talk about being a Christian. Uh, it, it's more than just being a Christian by name. Uh, to truly be a Christian, you have to be a Christian by relationship. Uh, you have to be a person that is committed to the Lord. Uh, as I used the, the illustration a moment ago about a plant, if you have a plant by a window, it is always going to lean towards the light. Uh, so I'm asking you this morning, are you leaning towards the light. I am told, and I don't know this firsthand, but in Africa, uh, I, I remember somebody telling me about this, that there is a potato-like, and, and I guess we could call it a yam. Uh, now, I like yams, but in Africa, they, they call this a yam. It's really, I don't, anyhow, the long story is this, that um, it is available in many areas in Africa, but it has extremely low nutritional value. It's basically a filler. You can eat it, but it has little nutritional value. David's son Solomon wasn't guaranteed a relationship with God because of his father. And many of you, and I, I know many of your life stories, many of you, are first generation apostolics that means uh, that you're the first one in your in your family to have a relationship with God but there are many of you where your parents have served the Lord and your parents parents have served the Lord for generations and generations uh, you have been around the church you maybe grew up in the church uh, amen and 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 so many of you are like that uh, but I, I need to talk to some of the children some of the grandchildren and some of the people that are in in the church today where your parents have served the Lord and your grandparents have served the Lord. There's no guarantee that you're going to have a walk with God just because of your lineage. If you really want a relationship with God, you've got to get it for yourself. You can't rely on the relationship of your parents or anybody else. Amen. Each of us is in a chair or in a certain place in our walk with God. 
Undoubtedly, there's some people that are hearing this today. You are that third chair person. You might open a Bible. You might have a Bible. You might open it every once in a while. But you have no true walk with God. Maybe you used to, but you don't anymore. Or maybe you've never even opened, maybe you don't even own a Bible, and you're that third chair person. I invite you to have a relationship with the Lord, as I described before in Acts chapter 2, verse 38. That gets you started on the right path. But if you are a second chair person, you might have at one point been that first chair person that is committed to God, but you've slipped back, and now you're in that center chair. You're in that middle chair. You're in that second chair and you really don't have a close relationship with the Lord, here's my desire today. If you're a third chair person, I am going to pull you into a first chair relationship with God. If you're a second chair person, I'm going to pull you into a closer relationship with God. That is my desire today. But I want to ask you, where are you in your walk with God? And I want you to picture this in your mind, in your mind's eye. If we have three chairs here right now, chair one committed, uh, chair two compromised, chair three no real relationship with the Lord, where would you be sitting? Every one of us would be occupying one of those chairs. Which chair is the one you'd be sitting in? Mark had a crisis of faith, the Scripture says. And the prodigal son grew up in the church. He grew up serving God. He grew up going to Sunday school and hanging around Christian kids. He might have even gone to camp a few times. He gave his life to God as a young age. But when he was ready to go out on his own, the allure of the parties and the loose living, it began to crowd his mind, and it caught his eye, and he walked away from the Lord. Mark, the Bible shows us, grew up in the church had the greatest of opportunities being around the Lord and around the disciples. But when he went out on a missionary journey, he was confronted with something, whatever it was, we don't know. He abandoned his call with God, and he walked away. But I'm here to preach to you this morning. That is not the end of the story. Ten years later, Paul wrote to Timothy, in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 9 through 11, Do thy diligence to come shortly unto me, for Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world, and departed unto Thessalonica, Cretans unto Galatia, Titus unto Dalmatia. Notice verse 11. Only Luke is with me. Then notice this next part. Take Mark. Everybody say Mark. He said, take Mark and bring him with thee, for he is profitable unto me for the ministry. I'm preaching to somebody a word of hope this morning. Even if you walked away from God at any point in your relationship with God, you can get back to that place. Just like Paul said of Mark, I want you to bring Mark with you, for he is profitable unto me for the ministry. It might, might have taken him 10 years to get back to his walk with God, but he got there, and thank God for that. What I'm telling you right now is this, and here me well, child of God. I am concerned with where you're at right now, but I'm more concerned with where you're going. 
reason I can say that is this. If you're a third chair person, you can become a second chair person and a first chair person. If you're a second chair person, you can become a first chair person. But just because you're a first chair person doesn't mean that you will stay there the rest of your life. You have got to work at it. I'm preaching this morning with hope that the marks that are out there, the people who abandon their walk with God, you can get back and you can be profitable again. In fact, I believe with all my heart I'm preaching to somebody that walked away from the Lord at some point in your, in your life. And God's got his call upon you. God's got his stamp upon you. God has called you, even some of you, to the ministry and to do a work for the Lord. And I, I feel like I'm speaking to somebody in particular this morning. God has a call on your life. You've known it from the very beginning. And yes, you may have strayed far away from the Lord, but I preach to that calling right now. I preach to that conviction in your heart right now. I stir up the gift that is within you. God, I'm asking that you would tug at their heart again and bring them back to that first chair relationship with the Lord. So do you know God or do you have? Let me back up a little bit. Where is your life today? Is it that first chair position? Or do you know God, that third chair position, but you really don't have a relationship with him? Amen. I, I, I feel so, so strongly in my heart that wherever you are today, even if you've, been a moved, if you've been moved away from the things of God somehow in your life, that God is going to bring you back in, that God is going to tug at your heart and bring you closer to him. And I can preach even to all of you first chair people out there that are highly committed to the Lord and love the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. We can always get better. Amen. Don't ever think you've arrived just because you are a committed Christian. You need to stay committed. Somebody say, stay committed. Now in Psalm 119, 145, it says, I cried with my whole heart. Hear me, O God. I will keep thy statutes. And then Romans, starting at, uh, in Romans 1, starting at verse 8, First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all that your faith is spoken throughout the whole world. For God is my witness to whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I mention you always in my prayers, making requests if by any means now at length I might have a prosperous journey by the will of God to come unto you. For I long to see you that I may impart unto you some spiritual gift to the end you might be established. That is, that I may be comforted together with you by the mutual faith both of you and me. Now I would not have you ignorant, brethren, that oft times I purposed to come to you but was led hereunto that I may have some fruit among you also, even as among other Gentiles. I love verse 14. I am a debtor both to the Greeks 
and to the barbarians, both to the, to the wise and to the unwise. So as much as is in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are in Rome also. For I am not ashamed. Somebody say it, I am not ashamed. It goes on, it says, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith as it is written. The just shall live by faith. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness because that which... Uh, that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it unto them. I, that portion of Scripture in verse 18 that says, holding the truth of God in unrighteousness. I, I feel that tug in my heart right now that there are some people who have experienced everything that we know and love so very much. I'm preaching to people that love to talk in tongues and love to worship the Lord, and love the Word of God, and love prayer. You love to feel the presence of God. But I'm convinced that there are some that have had that experience, uh, and yet they hold the truth in unrighteousness. Uh, the, the short story of that is this, uh, that they haven't committed themselves fully to the Lord. Uh, if I could somehow prod you into serving the Lord, I would. Uh, but ultimately, it has to be your decision and your decision alone. Uh, there's no message that I or anybody else could ever preach uh, that will convince you 100% to serve the God, serve, serve the wonderful God that we serve. Uh, amen. But... But that being said, uh, this message could st could steer you the right direction and turn your ship around uh, and get you pointed back to the relationship that you ought to have with the Lord. Uh, if that happens and I've done uh, what I should do, uh, that I preach the Word of God, uh, the Bible says we're saved by the foolishness, by the foolishness of preaching. In Colossians 2, verses 4 through 10, 10 it says, and this I say, lest any man should beguile you with enticing words. Somebody needs to hear this this morning. In fact, could you pray with me? Close your eyes wherever you're at right now and pray with me for just a moment. Lord Jesus, we need you to talk to us. Lord Jesus, we need you to minister at this moment. Because I believe you're going to turn someone around. I believe you're going to talk to somebody. So, Lord, use this scripture, the words that I've already spoken, and use this scripture to somehow encourage somebody to continue serving the Lord or to get back to serving the Lord or yet to start serving the Lord in Jesus' name. Amen. Let me go back to reading this. Colossians 2, starting at 4, it says, And this I say, lest any man should beguile you with enticing words. Uh, hear me, somebody out there. There are a lot of enticing words. Uh, there are a lot of spirits. There are a lot of voices uh, that are crying unto you, but don't be enticed by them. Uh, the next verse goes on. For though, though I be absent in the flesh, yet I am with you in the spirit, joying and beholding your order and steadfastness of your faith in Christ. As you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, notice this, 
so walk ye in him. If you have your Bible this morning, you might want to underline that. So walk ye in him. The next verse goes on. Rooted and built up in him and established in the faith that you have been taught abounding therein with thanksgiving. Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world and not after Christ. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power. I'm talking to somebody this morning. Drugs aren't doing it for you. Alcohol isn't doing it for you. The lifestyle you're living right now is no longer doing it for you. It was fun while it lasted, but you know now how empty it is. You know how vain it is. You have sought after wealth and prosperity, but you find yourself just wanting more and having less. I'm preaching to somebody this morning and talking to you about pushing yourself back into your relationship with the Lord, uh, getting away from that third chair position to that second chair position and then ultimately to the first chair position in the Lord. Amen. I, 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 I know that there are people that I'm talking today to today that are struggling, and I'm reaching for you. I'm reaching for anybody that wants to have a relationship with the Lord. I'm reaching for anybody that wants uh, to have a walk with the Lord and get closer to the Lord. And in all honesty, that ought to be every single one of us. I am. I don't want to have the relationship I had with God yesterday. I want to have a today relationship with God. I don't want to have yesterday's walk with God. I don't want to build my faith or my relationship upon my parents or anybody else. I've got to have my own walk with God. If that's you today, I'm reaching for you. I'm pulling for you, and I'm asking you, won't you get closer to God? I don't know if you can really see it, and I'm, I'm kind of doubting that even those of you online, online will be able to see this. But my title screen there says, Mark's crisis of faith. I saw this picture some time ago. It was a picture relating to prayer. And if you can't see it online, it simply says it is a lined piece of paper that at the top it says this, Dear Lord, with a comma. There's nothing written after that. But if you can't see it online, those of you that are here in the sanctuary, you can see it. You see the teardrops on that page. It's those teardrops that are their prayer. That is their talk with God. In fact, in all honesty, that impacts me more than if that page was entirely filled with words. Because that is the cry of my heart. Dear Lord, and then you see my tears. Those tears are prayers. And then I receive it like this. As that person wrote those words, dear Lord, and then the tears started to flow. I see the Lord receiving every tear 
as an anointed prayer, as a powerful tugging and drawing on their heart to serve the Lord. What I'm seeking for today, what I'm asking today is will you look for and seek after an intimate relationship with the Lord? Not just a friendship. If, you're a, if you consider yourself a friend of the Lord, great, I'm, I'm thankful for it. And I'm not trying to browbeat you in any way. But if I can pull you to an intimate relationship with the Lord, that's my goal this morning. A relationship that comes with peace and confidence. I wrote this the other day, and it's been rolling around in my brain as I've been thinking about it for the last few days. I wrote this. I, I said, intimacy with God. Intimacy with God brings peace and confidence. Intimacy with God brings peace and confidence. I know we're going through a storm throughout our world right now. Our country, other nations throughout the world, are, we're going through a storm. And I know that. I understand that. But there's something in my prayer walk, in my walk with the Lord, and I'm not trying to pat myself on the back, but in my walk with the Lord, I somehow feel in my heart of heart, I feel it in my mind that everything's going to be okay. Yes, we're going through it. Yes, there's a lot of things that are happening right now in our society, but prayer has brought me to the place where I just know in whom I believe, and I'm persuaded that he's able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. I have a confidence of the Lord. I know somehow everything is going to be all right. Do I know what's going to happen tomorrow? No, but I know God, and I know his love for me. I know his love for you, and as Mark had a crisis of faith, maybe you're there right now. I'm pulling at you if I can. Will you get closer in your walk with the Lord? Will you get closer in your relationship with Him? Could you stand with me today? And if you're home, maybe you could stand with us again. Or maybe you feel like kneeling at the chair where you're at. I'm asking us this morning, in fact, now, Brother Cross is going to come, and he's going to lead us in an altar call prayer. He's going to lead us in a prayer that, that will help us in our walk with God. And so wherever you're at, wherever you're hearing this message, would you pray? Would you seek the Lord? And before I turn it over to Brother Cross, I do want to remind you that if you're at a place in your life right now where you need to be baptized in Jesus' name, all you have to do is call our church off and we will make arrangements for you. If you're somewhere else in this nation or even in the world, you can still call our church office. Our website is nbupc.org. That is NB for the city of New Britain, nbupc.org. If you call us, if you communicate with us, we will connect you with somebody that could baptize you in the name of Jesus for the remission of your sins. We can connect you with somebody that will pray with you and that will walk with you and help you to renew your faith in God. Brother Cross is coming. Let's pray as he leads us in prayer this morning in Jesus' name. 